morning. I want to take just a second here and remind you, and maybe for the first time if you're new to us, let you know that we're actually one church in two locations. And so we want to welcome into our service right now Lake Hills Church downtown. We're excited about everything that God is doing through downtown and the leadership of Pastor E.C. Cunningham down there. It's a cool deal. You know, a few years ago, as a church, we committed to a strategic partnership with C3 Global. C3 Global is a collection of like-minded churches that reaches literally around the world. And it's through this partnership that we get to participate in planning churches, missions efforts in Europe, and it was through C3 Global that we connected to the orphanage that we adopted and provide food for on a daily basis in Haiti. But you know, one of the great blessings of C3 Global has been an amazing exposure to great churches and great people that we probably never would have known otherwise. This weekend, Julie and I are in the greater Phoenix area, and I'm speaking at another C3 Global church, Palm Valley Church. Now, Palm Valley Church is an amazing, God-honoring, God-blessed church that is led by Pastor Greg Rollinger and his wife, Lori. I first met Greg on a C3 Global trip to Haiti, and they have become incredible friends of ours over the last few years. And they have an amazing story. You see, it was about three years ago that Greg was diagnosed with multiple system atrophy. It's a degenerative condition that's similar to Parkinson's or Lou Gehrig's disease in its effects. And at last year's C3 conference, Greg shared his story with such power and grace and truth that all of us who heard it will never be the same. For the last few weeks as a church, we've been studying and applying God's Word with grit, that God-honoring, relentless, intentional tenacity. Well, Greg and Lori Rollinger are absolute billboards for grit and for grace. And so today, while I'm preaching there, I want to share with you Greg's message from the C3 conference last year. My prayer as your pastor is that God will speak into your life personally and into our church family collectively through my good friend, Greg Rollinger. Sitting here this morning enjoying a beautiful park setting, a incredible Arizona sunrise, a white chocolate mocha. And lately I've just been reminded to be grateful for the little things each day, for, for each day I have. And, uh, you know, today I want to update you and share with you what's been going on over the last few weeks with, with my health issues, some of the things Lori and I are learning. Walking through this has been kind of like putting together a very complicated jigsaw puzzle that uh, that we don't really understand. And so we've been, we've been just going step by step and uh, kind of kind of learning each uh, step along the way. But but actually last week we got some more news to kind of bring the whole jigsaw puzzle into clearer picture. Uh, I've now been diagnosed with what actually is called multiple system atrophy with orthostatic hypotension, which is just a way of saying low blood pressure. But uh, the multi-system atrophy, uh, Parkinson's is a part of that. And, and what it is is my central nervous system is, is shutting down just part by part and, and different parts of my body are just shutting down. It, it's, uh, it's not a, a great diagnosis nor prognosis, as my doctor said. Said, don't Google it. it it's all bad. And, and really, uh, what we're facing is is a disease that that right now has no treatment, that has no cure, 
that uh, is very uh, new on, on the scene for doctors, and, and they're trying to still wrap their arms around what it does and what it means. But uh, the prognosis is not good. Uh, with no treatment and no cure, uh, the average course from, from here for life expectancy is between two to nine years. And uh, that's a bleak outlook. But I, I'm reminded this morning sitting here that I, I've got the presence of God in my life and the power of God for my life. And just encouraged this morning by the promises that God has for my life, that, that nothing comes into my life that hasn't passed through his hands and his heart, that he knows me the best and he loves me the most and he wants his best for my life. And I lean into it and cling to those promises today. And I, I'm just so thankful for each day that the Lord has given me. My, my hope is that in my body and through my life, which every day that Christ gives me, I will honor him, I will exalt him, I, I will lift him up. And, uh, you know, we're not giving up. Our doctor said, uh, you know, I don't want you to give up hope. And uh, I told him that, that hope is all I have. And, and you know, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when they went into the fire, our God has the ability to rescue us, but whether or not he does, we will honor him. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to praise and honor him. We're going to live for him each day. Uh, we're going to cherish each relationship, but uh, we're going to ask him to heal us, and we're going to see what he does. Fellowship Church, thank you. What an honor to be here. I know everybody says what an honor to be here, but from the bottom of my heart, it is an honor to be here. For nine years, we have made the pilgrimage to, to Fellowship Church to learn from Ed and Lisa and your incredible teams. Now, Lauren and I started the church in our living room with eight, three other couples no clue what we were doing, and you know, like everybody else in here, nine years ago, we stumbled into Fellowship Church and C3 Conference and blown away by the excellence and the creativity, but then your personality, but then most of all, your heart. For some reason, you guys have allowed Lori and I into your life a little bit, and you know, we got invited to events with you. We were just like, be quiet, don't, maybe, maybe, you know, they won't notice us, and they'll invite us back if we don't make noise, you know? <laughs> but uh, you have been the dominant voice, outside voice at Palm Valley Church in our lives. And we can't thank you enough. Lisa, you said earlier that, that you are the mom and dad of fellowship. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. But you are, I, I won't say grandma and grandpa because you're, you're not that. <laughs> but you have adopted so many of us, thousands and thousands of your children. You have a voice into our churches. And I honor you. I honor you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me, let me pray together really quickly. Father, we love you. God, thank you for this incredible, incredible conference that we can come and glean and learn and grow and be challenged. Yeah, I know from my heart, some of the most significant spiritual development moments in my life have happened in this room. Definitely some of the greatest leadership challenges have happened in this room. And so, God, I pray for the next few moments. I, I pray specifically for a pastor, a leader, a, a Christ follower who's discouraged. God, I pray that you'd encourage us through your word. Use your Holy Spirit to do that in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for the honor. Ed asked me to come and share a little bit of my story. And you heard that diagnosis was two years ago. And uh, so we were just walking through that. And it really, it's kind of funny because a couple years ago, I was sitting right back over here and one of my staff members asked me, if you ever got to speak at something like this, what would you say? What would you talk about? I, I had no clue. I had no clue. I, I gave some dumb answer like, I don't know, leadership or something. I just, I download an Ed Young message and then just change it, you know, and then use it. So, but God has crystallized over the last couple of years the message of my life. And, and it's not a, a sermon. It's a living message that, that has come out of me. And, and I'm thankful for that. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about leading through struggle and, and leading through challenges, if, if you'll allow me a few moments of your time. And, as I do, you know, because really, you know, conferences are great. And you get excited and rah-rah and you get cheered up. But the things I've really taken from C3 is that the, 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 the principles of leadership and, and following Christ and Leading people to where God wants you to go, not where they want to go, is something I've learned here. 
And, and over time, I also learned that life is not always as we plan it. We don't get to control what happens in our life. We don't get to control what comes into our life, but we can control our response and how we react and, and, and how we respond to what, what comes into our life. And uh, I learned that early age. You know, I grew up, I, I was raised by a single dad. And someone asked me recently, what was Christmas like at, at your house as a kid? And, and I was like, angry and stressed, you know, because my dad was a single dad and he was trying to get all the decorations up and the presents out and he's still working. And it was just always that way. As a matter of fact, my, my most significant memory of that period of my life is 10 years old. It was Christmas. And because, you know, back then my, we didn't have a lot. Now kids like put their list together and they expect to get everything they, they put on their list. Remember back in the day, there was like the rotating present. It was your year to get the good present. And then, then you had to wait a couple years, you know, to come back to the good present. I was 10 years old. It was my year to get the good present. And about August, I started dropping the hints. I wanted this Huffy bike. It was a beautiful bike. Yeah, you remember, if you don't remember Huffy, you're, you're too young. Okay, you got to go, go Google it, and you will learn about the, the, the beautifulness of Huffy. And it was a black Huffy bike with this gold chrome, gold rims. And it was just, man, it was so nice. Was, I could just picture a card in there sounding like an engine, you know, between the spokes. And I kept dropping it. Every time I went to Montgomery Wards, I'd show my dad, that, that's what I want for Christmas. You remember my, my Montgomery Wards, right? No? Okay, I'll see. Thank you to the older folks. Yes, thank you. We got Montgomery Wards. I said, Dad, that's what I want for Christmas. He said, well, we'll see what Santa does, which is code for it didn't happen, right? <laughs> and so at Christmas, my house, I was always trying to find out the, the gifts and what was coming and, and what was actually in the closet. And so I looked everywhere that, that year for the bike and couldn't find it. Christmas Eve, we had a tradition because none of my two sisters and I didn't trust each other and, and they didn't trust me. We'd all sleep together up in my sister's room upstairs in the hallway, end of the hallway. And so that night, my dad put us down there, and he, he closed the door, and then he put chairs up outside the door, like, locked us in. I don't know if there was a fire, you had to go to the bathroom, right? You're out of luck, right? <laughs> but I was trying to wait out my sisters, and I waited them out, waited them out. You know, I'm staying awake, trying to keep myself awake. Could I go to sleep? So I wanted to go down and see if the, 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 the puppy bike was there. And I kept waiting. And finally, about 2, 3 a.m., probably like 9.30, but I was 10. So <laughs> I was like, Dad, Dad, Michelle, Michelle. No response. I said, I'm good. I start shimming across the floor like a Navy SEAL, right? Get to the door, creak the door open, and there's chairs there, right? So I start shimming through the chairs, up and over the legs and around the legs and through. And I made it farther than I'd ever made it before. I got outside of the chairs. We're on the top level. It's a tri-level house. So I start running down the hallway. And I'd run down the hallway about 20 steps and then got to my dad's room. Right before my dad's room, I'd turn right and go down the stairs. And there was 12 stairs. I knew it because I jumped four, four, and four. I had it memorized, right? ADHD, right? I didn't get that. And, uh, and I'd do it over, and then it land on this, like, entryway there. And so I'm running down, and, and then once I land on the entryway, you turn left and go down, and, and there's the, the you know, lower levels where the, the tree was in the present. So I'm running down the hallway. I'm going towards my dad's door. I hit the, top, the end of the hallway. I turn right, and I, there's a little light coming through the, the skylight, right? And I take two steps, and I get to the top of the stairs. I'm about to jump, right, four, four, four. As I start to jump, my dad had decided that year to add an extra level of security to the system. He put chairs and pots and pans stacked together at the top of the stairs, right? So I jump, I literally hit smash into the chairs and all the pots and pans. I start, instead of four, 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 I just go one by one by one by one, you know, falling down. And chairs are on top of me. I hit the platform down on the bottom, and I'm laying there like dumb and dumb, like laid out, right, you know. Chairs on top of me, pots and pans are coming out, right. And I'm laid out on the floor, and chairs on top of me, pots and pans on top of me. And all of a sudden, the light clicks on. My dad's up at the top of the stairs. My sister's like, come on, come on. They're laughing at me. They come on, right? I learned what we all learned. Life's not fair. And sometimes you get disappointed, and you got to deal with it. And I want to talk to you about how we have dealt with what has come into our life over the last two years. 
Because what we decided is, well, God is loving toward us. We want to honor him with everything we have. And, you know, the diagnosis of my life for, for two years ago, you know, we, we had no clue. Three years ago, we were on vacation hiking through the Rockies, and I was as healthy as any other 42-year-old guy, probably more healthy than most. And, uh, you know, having a good time. And then we started noticing differences, and we started going to the doctors. And I couldn't figure out, finally got the diagnosis of multisystem atrophy. And the doctor said, there's no treatment, there's no cure. And he said, good luck. That's pretty much what he said. We said, thanks a lot, right? He said, don't Google it. So what do you do first thing? Google, you know. And we've been trying to figure it out. But, but one thing I've learned over the last couple of years is, is about struggle. I feel like I have a PhD in struggle. See, I, I watch somebody like you sit in your chairs and you just get up when you want to get up, right? And you just walk. I can't do that, right? Literally, we have a morning routine in my house. So when, when I wake up in the mornings, I'm laying there and, and I, I have this morning routine. I, first of all, I wake up and I was like, hey, it's a good day. I woke up. I woke up, it's a good day. And I'll start thinking, Lord, it says, Lord, today the Lord is made. I'll rejoice and be glad. And I, and I can't move yet, so I'm just kind of, you know, be still and know that I'm God. It has real resonance in my life, right? And I just lay there and, and I kind of wait and, you know, wait for someone to wake up. And then Lori will wake up and she'll come on and she'll start kind of massaging my, my feet and legs, get the blood flowing. And literally, it takes me about 45 minutes to an hour to get out of bed, right? We'll just start kind of moving, wiggle, wiggle the toes, wiggle the toes. That's good. I can feel my feet, right? That's good. Somebody said recently, Greg, I'm sorry for the pain that you feel. And I said, no, 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 don't feel sorry for the pain I feel because that's good. That means I can feel, that means I'm alive and that means my legs work. When I stop feeling the pain is when I got a problem. And so I, I just thank God for the pain. And I, and I just start wiggling and I start moving and then I start moving my legs a little bit. And Laura, come over and she'll kind of help me out. Just kind of plop my legs over the side of the bed. And then I kind of shimmy this way. And then after a while, I just start to kind of rock like this. And I can't just sit right up, so I, so I just kind of struggle with it, struggle with it, and rock back and forth. And then finally I'll sit up, and it's like, wow, I sat up, that's good. But, but, but now I'm sitting up, I can't just step up because I have low blood pressure. So if I step up, I will pass out. That blood rushes, it happens all the time. And passing out, we've learned, is not the best way to, to start your morning. So I just sit there for a while, and I just rock a little bit, you know, trying to get the blood moving and muscles moving and trying to wake everything up. And I'll just rock back and forth. and. You know, I'm just waiting and kind of, okay, God, what are you going to do? And thinking about my day and quoting scripture and just, you know, asking God to heal me today and thanking him that, that I'm up today and just going through through some scriptures that I, that I go through in the morning. And then I'll just start rocking and then it's time to start getting up. So I'll just start trying to rock and rock, rock. And then finally I'll you know, start to feel my legs again and get ready to move. And then, and then when it's time, I'll start to get up. I'll start, yep, that was good. I had a little progress, right? And then, then I'll just start to move again and I'll get a little further and then, I'll just keep rocking and keep rocking, keep rocking, get, get up a little further, no, not quite. And then, then I'll get up and like, I'm almost up and I feel, oh, no, no, I'm back down. And, and so I finally I get up. And the struggle I, I've learned has value to it. And that's what I'm talking about, the value of the struggle. Because here's the thing about, about my struggle. My struggle, it may be unique to me, but I'm not the only one. Every one of this room has struggles. You have struggles, raise your hand. Every one of us, yeah. Yeah, except that guy. Good for you, man. Keep that. That's good. Um, <laughs> But my struggle, you know, here's the hardest part. As a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a leader, my, my struggle is called struggle for other people. I watch my wife struggle. We, we have four beautiful children, ages seven, our seven-year-old daughter, Brooke, and then 10, 13, and 15, Josh, Jake, and Zach, boys. And they're amazing. But I told Lori, I said, how does it feel like to be the single mom of five kids some days, you know? Because I watch her struggle, have the, the, the extra weight of what I can't do around the house. And, and then I watch my kids struggle. I watch our church struggle, you know? Last week, you know, we started a church in our home, and, and we, we watched people come to the Lord, and families grow, and, and our church, for the most part, loves me, right? And, uh, and and I've watched the church struggle through every week, you know, wondering, am I going to be there? Am I going to be able to come on stage this week? Are they going to see me, or can I not make it today? And last week, we announced a succession plan for our church. You know, no time frame, but, but we announced on what would happen in the case that I can't be there. 
when I talk about leadership challenge and struggle, I, I, my, my greatest challenge is painting a beautiful picture and leading with vision for a church and creating a picture of the future of Palm Valley Church while I sit in meetings planning for a future that doesn't contain me in it. That's hard. But God has led us to it, and he's led us through it. Because when God he calls you to something, he will walk you through it. And he has been so faithful in that in our lives. And, and I always want to show you some scriptures that have been encouraging to me. And maybe if you're struggling tonight, they might be to you also. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 and 17. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Say that with me. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I think some of us, that's all you need to know tonight. Just don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't give up. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, sometimes I look at scripture and say, light and momentary. Wait a minute, light, this doesn't feel light. And it sure doesn't feel momentary because when it takes an hour to get up, it feels like an eternity, right? But here's what, what Paul writes next. He says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on the unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think he's reflecting what we learned in Hebrews 12. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, what was the joy set before him? You and I, he endured the scorn and the shame of the cross on our behalf. And so we've, we've chosen to fix our eyes on, on the eternal, what we can control, which is our response and our ability to glorify and honor God. Not to fix our eyes on the struggles and challenges of our day. Because if you focus on the struggles and the challenges, they will eat you alive. That deacon that you, you focus on, that elder, he will eat you alive, right? And I do a funny impersonation, but I'll leave that to the professionals. And that, you know, that, that budgetary issue, that leadership issue, that personnel issues that you have, they will eat you alive if you focus on them. But, but Paul says, no, 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 focus on the eternal. Focus on the cross. Because if you focus on the cross, everything else fades away in the background. And over the last two years, God has given me an incredible gift of perspective. You know, when we first got this diagnosis, Lori and I prayed about it. And we were, you know, what do we do with this? How do you handle this? How do we look at the future as a family and as a church? And there was a lot of questions. And we were praying one morning. I just looked at her and said, you know, I feel like this is a gift that God's entrusted to us. She said, I feel the same way. I said, what do you do with that? You know, how do we be good stewards of a gift like this? Here's what we do. We give God our best and trust him with the rest because we can't control it anyways. And so that's what we've decided to do. And God's given me incredible perspective. Two summers ago, we were at Magic Mountain with all the high schoolers in our camp, in, in our youth group, and we were on this camp thing that I go speak at, and uh, we we're, were doing Magic Mountain, and, and one of the things about my disease, the first thing they said would go is my legs, my ability to walk, and, and a couple other things, but really the legs. And, and you got to know, as a man, as a, you know, I've played basketball in college, I, I love being with my kids, I coach their football teams, those legs are helpful for all of that, right? And uh, so... I, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, we're Magic Mountain, and my legs started giving out. We're walking around, and Lori said, why, why don't we get this scooter? You know, a little honk-honk scooter. And I said, there's no way I, I'm riding around this scooter at Magic Mountain. And so we went, we, went, we went back to the hotel, and I was praying, and we just sitting in the hotel room, and I said, God, I can't live without my legs. And God said, really? So, so if I take your legs away, you, you don't want to go on? No, 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 hold up, God. I want to go on, but I want my legs. God's given me this gift of perspective over the last year to, to, to understand that he's doing something greater. You know, there's this beautiful illustration of a butterfly. We all know what a butterfly is. It's a caterpillar that goes in the cocoon and then works its way, way out into a beautiful butterfly. You want to short circuit what God is doing in the life of a butterfly, open the cocoon for it. Because it'll come out with a swollen body and wings that don't work. 
from the struggle of fighting out of the cocoon that a butterfly gains its strength and its wings expand. And if you're going through struggle right now, I, I got to tell you, don't fight it. Keep struggling. Keep rocking because God is building your strength and preparing you for what he's already prepared for you. He's not giving up on you. And you say, this is tough. How do I keep going? God says, just keep going. I'm, I'm working. I'm developing. I'm working in you. I love what Paul wrote. So to keep from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. I, I've asked the Lord 3,000 times. I've asked him every day to take it away. And I understand what Paul was thinking. I'm thinking Paul's thinking, God, do you know who I am? If you took this away, I could travel more. I could speak more. I'd have more energy. Man, I started a Wednesday night service. Whatever you need, God, I could do it. But I need energy. I need this thorn in the flesh taken away. And Paul kept praying, take this away. I think Paul's wanting one of two things. He, he wanted either God to take it away or give him an explanation. Right? Why? Why do I have this? What are you going to do? Because I think if God said, hey, listen, Paul, I'm going to sit you down and we're going to give you a little more time. And you're going to write some letters. They're going to become what, most of the, what is most of the New Testament. And believers for thousands of years are going to be reading your words. And they're going to know they're from me. And, and you're going to develop and disciple thousands upon hundreds of thousands and millions of people through these letters I'm right while I sit down. I think Paul said, cool, I'll sit down. I'll do that. But here's God's answer to him. Each time he said, read all of me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. He didn't give him an explanation. He didn't tell him why. He says, my grace is all you need. Pastor, leader, I don't know what you're facing this week, but here's what I know. His grace is all you need. His grace, so wherever you go, wherever meeting you go to, and you're like, man, the opposition, God says, no, no, I got, my grace is all you need. I, I need that resource. I need that build. My grace is all you need. And he told Paul, my grace is all you need. I, I think Paul learned to live that out. And look at Paul as he, as he looks back in retrospect. He says in verse 9, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. Read this out loud with me. So that the power of Christ can work through me. I can't tell you how many Saturday nights, you know, I get to church and, I'm sitting backstage, and I've coached my kids' football teams. I love to coach my kids' football teams. We have, we have three teams I usually coach, the Raiders, the Raiders, and the Raiders. God's team, the Raiders, right? Love, fun stuff. Yeah, Raiders, you've got to be in the house, right? No, okay, silence. I sit backstage, and service is coming, and, and I, I change, and I, I lay down, and I kind of try to crack my back and get straight, and I'm working on getting ready to preach, and, and then... All of a sudden, you know, someone comes back, service is starting, okay, 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 you know, I need to move. And literally sometimes five minutes before I'm supposed to go on stage, I can't move. And I'm like, Michelle, my assistant, or Julie, my assistant, go, go get some help. Some of the guys that come out and say, I need you guys to pray. I say, if, if God wants me to go on stage, I, he needs to do something because I can't get up. You're going to have to carry me or something. And I can't tell you how many times I just start rocking. Start rocking, and man, music is ending, and video is playing, and I'm freaking out. And I'm looking at my guys, going, "You, you better have something in the pocket, right?" And and we're working on it. And all of a sudden, as I'll just rock, or I'll just lean forward, and all of a sudden, somewhere in the middle, and probably far less in the middle than than I say. But as I just keep rocking, I go to stand up. God just meets me somewhere and says, "Okay, you got this." And He lifts me up and He takes me out on stage. And what a privilege to know, to know. That when I walked on stage, God wanted me to come out and speak to the people in front of me. There's no, I can't, I, I don't know how many times in the past I went out because I had a good word, I thought, or I learned something new and, you know, I wanted to teach it. I know when I go on stage, God has called me to speak directly into people's lives, and I know what he's called me to teach them. What a privilege, and it's the gift and the perspective of struggle, because there's value in the struggle. Two years ago, most of you remember, Joyce Myers taught on stage, remember? Incredible, incredible. 
Yeah, and she talked about the man at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5. You know the story. He's laid there. He's been crippled for 38 years. And Jesus comes upon the scene. They had this belief that when the water started, there was an angel coming by, and, and first one in would be healed. If you look at the original Aramaic, it's where we get the phrase, last one in is a rotten egg. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm kidding. Somebody's like, look, Google that. <laughs> Tweet that. So, no. And this man had been laying there. And Jesus comes up, and what do you say? You want to be well? What's the man's answer? He answers in verse, verse 7, I can't, sir. For every time I, the water stirs up, I have no one to put me in the pool. Someone beats me into the water. Jesus didn't ask him, can you? He said, do you want to? You can't control the can you. You control the do you want to. So every morning I get up, I say, God, I, I want to this morning. I, I want to today, God. I want to do whatever you want me to do. I, I want to accomplish it. And so, God, if you'll give me the strength and energy, I will get up and go do what you want me to do. I will not give up. Because see, the temptation is to give up. And I, I know leaders, I, I know, man, leading people is hard. It is rough. They, they don't show up. They don't call. They don't give. They complain. And that's just a short summary, right? <laughs> and then, then you come to a conference like this, and you look around like, man, look at this place. Look at the buildings. And they, they got fountain out front. They got kids' buildings. Man, if I had this kind of stuff, I wouldn't have the problems I have. Now, Ed Young doesn't struggle like I struggle. He's got easy. If Ed showed you his electric bill for Fellowship Church, you would have a coronary kill over and die. <laughs> you say, no, thank you. There is no great church with a leader that has not struggled. Because we've all seen men and women who have taken off in leadership who have shot off like rockets but exploded like bombs because they didn't have the character to keep them where their talent took them. God will develop your character in the rough. I stole that from Ed. That's good. God will develop your character in the tough times. He'll prepare you for what he's prepared for you. And so if you don't give up, you will see. See, temptation is to give up, man, that deacon or that budget. It's not like if you give up, things are going to get better. It's not like if you, okay, I'm going to stop fighting the deacons. All of a sudden, church can get healthy because we're deacon-led or, you know, no. Don't do that. If I stop talking about money, people stop leaving. The money will get better. No, it won't. It'll get worse. You better preach on money and giving. You better teach what the Bible says. The problems don't get better. They get worse. If you give up. You won't have the story. You won't have the story. Talk to any older couple that looks happy married. Make sure they're happy, okay? <laughs> Ask them. Ask them. Tell me a story. This is what they'll tell you. Now, we got married young, and we loved each other, and then we got into marriage a couple years, and things got tough, and they were lean, and we ate top ramen, and, man, there were days we didn't like each other. But, man, you know, we wanted to quit, but we didn't believe in divorce, murder, yes, but we, didn't, we resisted. And, but we made it. And we're so glad we made it. Because what we have today, money can't buy. Nobody could give us because we worked for it. We struggled for it. And it's ours. <laughs> if you quit, you won't have the story. And if you quit and you don't have a story, you will not give God the glory. Your story is developing for God's glory and his honor and his praise. Live it out and don't give up. And I, I tell you, there, there's mornings that, that, that I'm just sitting and rocking and there's that little voice from the evil one saying, it's not going to happen today. Today's the day that you're not going to get up. I was born not to lay down. I was born to stand up and fight. So I'm not laying down. And so I just keep rocking. I just keep rocking. I said, no, no, no. I, you know, we'll be, we'll be out with friends after dinner, right? Because I've sat too long. I, it's hard to get up. And I'll just start rocking and starting to get up. And everybody in the restaurant's like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, and how you doing? You know, because whatever. And I just start rocking. And, and all of a sudden, you know, my friends will come over. And they'll try to help me up and say, no, no, no. I'm not trying to be rude. And they're grateful. But, but I got to do this. Because if somebody just helps me up. My legs aren't ready to stand. I'll fall down. So 
But I just start rocking. I just start rocking. I just start rocking. I'll do this, and my kids will come over. You know, they'll just be looking at me. Can, can we help you, Dad? My kids are incredible, and they'll reach out, and they'll say, no, no, no. And, and they, they're tired of this phrase, but I tell them, there's value in the struggle. There's value in the struggle. Because since I'm struggling, my blood's starting to pump, and my muscles are starting to move, and my legs are starting to work, and my arms are starting to flex, and I'm starting to get ready to get up. See, here's the thing. There's value in your struggle, leader. There's value in your struggle. Because as you're struggling, God is preparing, and the blood's starting to flow, and the muscles are starting to flex, and you're developing your leadership. And God's getting you ready for something bigger than you currently have. And your platform is about to be elevated, but you've got to be ready to stay there and to lead from that position. There's value in your struggle. If there's nothing else to catch, there, there's value in your struggle. God is not wasting your tears. He's storing them in a bottle. And he promises these are experiences. And those tears you cried out of sadness in the past, someday are going to be tears of joy because you're going to watch God use them in the life of somebody else who needed to be encur- encouraged by your, by your weakness and by your struggle. One of the sidelights of my illness is I break into tears at any moment's notice. And that's been all my life, so apparently it's been a lifetime illness. But... It's heightened with this deal. There's things I just rock and I just rock. And I tell my kids and I tell my friends there's value in the struggle. See, I've seen value in my struggle over the last two years. I, I didn't ask for it. I, I'd gladly let God take it from me if he'd choose. But it's mine. And he allows it to my life. And if it came through his hand, it came from his heart. And it's okay. Because even if the evil one tries to hurt me, he will use it for my good. Because he's promised that in his word. So there's nothing that can touch me or a weapon that can be fashioned against me that's going to take me down. So I'll just keep rocking. As I keep rocking, I've watched the value of the struggle in my wife. So I've, I've watched my wife develop giftedness that I knew she had in her that's been allowed to be exhibited in leadership in our church. And I'm thankful, thankful for the value of the struggle of development in her life. I've watched my four beautiful children. They, they've seen things and had to do things that kids shouldn't have to see and do with their dad. And they follow me around. They make sure I'm not falling down. And they watch my eyes to see if I get dizzy. I push down against the wall. Don't let him fall. Protect his head. Right? They got the drill. It's like a fire drill at our house, right? <laughs> and they know. If I watch my kids develop compassion, I know some, something down the line. See, my kids don't run from hurting people. They're not afraid of hurting people. They run to them. And they have compassion. And, and it's down the line. It's down the line. God will use my children in great ways to help hurting people find Christ and become whole in Christ. I will revel and thank God in my weakness. I'll boast about my weakness because in my strength, in my weakness, he was made strong. And I watched my kids. I watched our church develop character and compassion for the hurting people. I watched the staff develop because I couldn't have done the last two years without my staff. And I've learned something over the last year I didn't know in value before. I may walk with a cane, but I travel with my staff. And I trust my staff. They take me a long way. See, I don't, I don't come to the office anymore. Where, if I, if I, show, I show up in sweats and a t-shirt, haven't showered in two days, haven't come here, like, hey, Greg's in the house. It's awesome. But they, they, they make decisions in leadership that I would have made in my place, and I trust them. I've watched my staff develop. Here's the thing. I've watched our voice develop as a church. Last baptism we did, you know, we're baptizing people coming through, people coming through, people coming through, in this big pool, baptizing people. And the leaders came, and they carried this man in who was shaking visibly, and I, I could see it, and I said, I said, what do you have? He said, MS, multiple sclerosis, and why are you getting baptized here? He said, because, Pastor, your illness brought me to Christ. There's value in my struggle. The next week, the next week, I, I watch a man come on a volunteer tour, and, he, and there's something not right, and I looked at him, I said, what's wrong, man? And he started crying. He said, Pastor, you've led me to Christ through your illness. And see, here's the thing, we, we've all been brought to Christ by people, and we're all leading people to Christ. That's our role. 
And, you know, it's awesome when you get to, you know, be with the NBA basketball player and you get to disciple them. There's things. More and more, as I look behind me, as I follow Christ, the calf behind me looks like a remake of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And my wife says it looks more like the ministry that Jesus had. So here's what I always say to you as we start. No kids, come on, son. I want to watch Ed do impersonations of me after this talk, right? It's, it's going to be fun. Please, please show me the video. No, no, here's the deal. You stop, if I, I believe if you stop laughing, you stop living. So, so don't you stop laughing. If you stop laughing, I just look pathetic up here, so please laugh. Here's what I do, man. I just keep rocking. Leaders, keep struggling. There's value in the struggle. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep rocking. Here's what I do, man. I keep rocking. I keep rocking. My kids are standing there and they'll cheer me on. I'm like, Dad, you can do it. You can stand up. Come on, Dad. And I'll keep rocking. I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. My kids are like, Dad, we've got to get to school. Come on. Let's do this, right? And I'll keep going, Dad, second period's about to start. Can you speed it up, right? And I'll just keep rocking. But here, here's the deal. There's dying in the stroke because the blood starts flowing. The muscles start moving. All of a sudden, all of a sudden I keep moving. And all of a sudden, wait, wait, wait. Uh, no. My kid's like, you can do it, Dad. And then, uh, no. Oh, all right. They're cheering me all of a sudden. I stand up, and here's the thing. I stood up, and it may not look pretty. It's not going to look pretty on rock, but I'm up, and I'm not down. And don't you give up. Leader, don't you give up. Because if you keep rocking, if you keep rocking, you're going to stand up. There's value in your struggle. Don't you give up. The kingdom of God needs you. You're called to too much. God's placing it within you. He wants to draw it out of you. Don't you give up. You keep rocking. Let me just close with this. I kind of forgot this. Remember that huppy bike Christmas? Yeah, that's a pathetic story. Here's something you need to know. I hit the top of the stairs. I turned right and I, I started running. I hit those chairs. There's, there's a struggle all of a sudden. So I hit those chairs. I fell down. The plots were going boom, 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 And I fell on the ground. Chairs come down in pots and pans, and all of a sudden, lights come on. My dad was up there, and like, hey, come on up. You know, you're caught, and they were laughing at me, but here's what they don't know. And I was on the ground. I started pushing the chairs off in pots and pans. I peeked around the corner. I saw the back end of a tire with a little bit of gold chrome rim, and there was a huppy bike waiting for me. And as I walked upstairs, they could make fun. They could tease all the way because I knew in the morning I was getting a huppy bike. I've seen too much of the goodness and the glory of God to give up now. I've got a peak of, of hope. I've got too much to give up, and so do you. The Word became flesh, and He met His dwelling among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We've seen too much at the cross and the empty tomb. Don't you give up. You keep rocking. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. What a privilege, God, to stand in this church and declare your Word to leaders who love you. And God, I pray for the hurting and struggling leader. I lift him and her up. I just pray God, you encourage their hearts, strengthen them for what's ahead. God, remind them there's value in their struggle and help them to keep rocking. Because we've seen too much of your goodness to give up now. Help us to live for eternity, God, and your glory and honor. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, I want to, let's give God a clap offering for that. It was
it, it was my privilege to be at, at this conference and, and hear Greg tell us his story. And, and, and as I was, I was watching Greg, I heard it for the first time, and as, as I was watching, you know, there's so many things about his story that I thought, wow, Lord, I wish I had that kind of faith. And, and do I have that kind of faith? If I were doing that, could I trust God with my life the way he's trusting God with his life? You know, Greg didn't always have that kind of faith. Greg's story began years before when he, as a young man, placed his faith in Jesus Christ to be his Lord and his Savior. And you all, just like me, we all have a story, but that story has a beginning. It's a spiritual journey with a beginning, and it begins the instant you and I choose to place faith in Jesus Christ. Over and over, Greg mentioned the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in him. And when we place faith in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead becomes to live in us. And if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't prayed and asked Jesus Christ to take your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So let's bow our heads. And if you've never prayed that prayer, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say, Lord Jesus, take my life and do with me whatever you want to do with me. And then I'm going to say thank you. And if you want to pray that prayer, if you've never prayed it before, then I'm going to ask you just right with me while we're heads are bowed, just repeat after me, except it's not to me. It's to God the Father who sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for you so you could be filled with His power and you could have a new relationship with God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, Jesus, come into my life and take me and do with me whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Now, while everybody don't look up yet, but if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm not even going to look. My eyes closed too. But I want you to lift your hand to the Lord. Just kind of saying, God, here I am. Lord Jesus, here I am. I just ask you to come into my life. Your hand indicates to God you're serious about this you really want him to run your life and I want to ask you after you hold your hand up there for just a little bit and then we have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church and if when you put your hand down we want to put our hand together so you can drop your hand and we're going to thank God